0: You're listening to the latest preaching from Brixham Community Church. Last week I started talking about the idea of being inside out and I talked about how when I was in the Philippines I learned how they eat mangoes and there's on the on the left on the right hand side there's a picture of a mango that's been cut in half the stone removed and then they score across it and then flip it in flip the skin inside out and then you just kind of gorge yourself on this lovely soft juicy mango tried doing it in england with a mango from a supermarket they just don't taste the same they're just not just not as soft and sweet as the mangoes uh, that i'd experienced out there but that's beside the point. And I also said that I'd had this kind of image of a pop-up book, and and GIFs brought three in um, for me to use as a visual aid uh, today. So this one's been untied. But it's just this whole idea that um, when we have something trapped on the inside of us, it just looks like an unassuming book. And you're like that book, and the church as a whole is like that book. And of course, when you open it out, you've got a whole Whole load of stuff there, okay? So um, that was just the image I had in my mind when I was thinking about this whole idea of being inside out. Where did I? Oh. There it is, put the clicker. And so um, it can be quite a painful idea, really. If I was to say to you, God wants to turn you inside out, and you kind of think of that physically, graphically, that's pretty gruesome. But actually, it can be painful. Some of the things we've been hearing this morning in the worship is sometimes God takes you through painful processes, but actually they're the most meaningful um, and deep times of prayer that you can go through are when God's taking you through some stuff that is Uncomfortable. He didn't always call us to a life of comfort. We've got heaven awaiting us, and eternity is a very long time, I'm told. And so we've got an eternity of glory. But right now, right here, sometimes there is some work to do. And and I do understand that God wants to work in us before he can work through us. And for many of us, we just need that time with Jesus to to go through some healing and all that sort of thing. And God's work is being done in us. Um, But also he has some work to do through us. And some of that is just making us a little bit more... Inside Out. So what I said last week was the idea that um, if 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 we were an inside-out church, thinking about as as a community of believers, we looked at Acts chapter five, and I took two ideas from there, where um, the angel says that they they, have to, they, get, they get out of prison and, and the angel says, go um, and stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. So an inside-out church would be a, a church which tells people all about the full gospel. And so I took from that just the idea of go where people will listen. The angel said, go to the temple courts, but that's just where people would be listening. Um, Go and tell the people. Go where people will listen and preach the whole message. Let's not water it down. Let's not make it inoffensive. If that's uh, what God's calling us to do is to tell people everything about this new life. Some people are offended by the gospel, but let's not water it down just to keep them happy because they won't be converted into the truth. They'll be converted into your watered-down version of the truth, and those kind of conversions don't last very long anyway. So we'll tell the full gospel. And just this idea from verse 28 in Acts 5 where um, the apostles accused of filling the whole town with the gospel, wouldn't that be amazing if, as a church, we were accused of of filling Brixham with the gospel. So that was the first thing. And then I went to the Great Commission in Matthew 28 and pulled out of it 10 values of an inside-out church. Um, Jesus starts the Great Commission by saying, all authority has been given to me. So we take that value that Jesus' authority is supreme. And the second value is that authority is the basis and foundation of our work. All authority has been given to me, therefore... Okay, so because of that authority, then you're going to go out. That is the basis of our work. Not, the fa- not anything else. We're not doing it to earn brownie points with God, and we're not doing it because we think it's a good idea. We're doing it because of the authority of Jesus, and Jesus, in his authority, is sending us out. So, therefore, go and make disciples. So, Point three, we will make disciples. Point four, no one will be excluded from our efforts. Go and make disciples of all nations. No one will be excluded. The gospel is for everybody. Point five, we uphold baptism as a command of Jesus because in this great commission, he says, Go and make disciples baptising them. But he says to baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. So the next point was we believe in the Trinity. We want people to be baptised into all that God is, the fullness of God. And preaching that we believe the Trinity will avoid error and confusion later on. Point seven was we will not just teach, we'll teach people to obey Jesus. It says teaching them to command teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And in point eight, I underlined the word I, that that what I have commanded you, that's Jesus speaking. So point eight was our teaching must be Christ-centred. Nine was we're not alone. Jesus is with us, which is always good to know when we're trying to turn the church inside out. He's with us. Uh, I'm with you to the very end. And so that's good to hear from Jesus that he is with us in our mission. He centers in his authority and he is with us. He walks with us. The man with authority is walking with us. Thank God for that. And finally, um, we will not stop until Christ comes again because he says, I will be with you till the end even to the end. So we're not going to stop in this mission of making disciples. We're not making converts. Converts sign up to something. We're making disciples. Disciples follow something. The word disciple means someone who follows and learns from. Someone who follows and learns from. And that's what we are called to do. That is our great commission. That is how we fill Brixham with the gospel. So wouldn't that be pretty cool as a church if we were known as the church who filled Brixham with the gospel? What is your church known for? Well, our church is known for its building. Our church is known for um, its soup kitchens. Our church is known for whatever else it does. Our church is known because it's got um, a particular type of leader. Um, Well, that's not what we want. We want a church who is known for a a gospel-centered, souls-pursuing, uh, ethos about it. And, um, and I mentioned last week about how J. John talks about the three Ws. We're very good at worship. We're very good at well-being, looking after one another, but we're not always very good at witness. And it's that side of things that I'm just feeling stirred to continue thinking about in my own life. And so that brings us to um, the idea that not just an inside-out church, which is easy for us to think about, yeah, that would be really cool. We can all buy into that. We all want to be Probably all want to be part of an inside out church, but it leads us to this message this morning, which means that an inside out church is actually made up of inside out Christians. And that means you, and that means me. And that's where I start to feel a little bit more uncomfortable and a little bit more challenged, because I find it very easy to um, infiltrate and to be part of the world around me and to sometimes hold back. And even though I can spend some wonderful times in prayer and some wonderful times in the Word of God at home, seeking God when I'm disciplined and when I'm good at it, when I'm on my best days, I can spend some wonderful times with Jesus and then step out of my front door, walk down onto 4th Street or whatever street it is and interface with the crowds and just assimilate, just be part of that crowd. Not even asking Jesus to, 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 to come with me. I've left him in the house I've left him in the quiet room. I've left him in the car where I was praying or had a worship song on. I've left him behind and I've walked into town and I've left Jesus behind, but he's actually still with me. It's just mentally I've left him behind. And so when I'm walking through town or I'm speaking to someone else who's walking their dog or I'm just um, going in a shop or waiting at a bus stop or whatever it is, I forget to say to the Holy Spirit, do you want to speak through me today? Do you want me to offer to pray for that person if they open up to me? Do you want to just give me an opener because I'm sick of mentioning the weather? Do you want to just nudge me to ask that man why he's wearing that badge and see where the conversation goes? Or talk to that guy about um, his dog or so I don't know. What a, Holy Spirit, have you got, a, have you got an in for me that I would never have thought of on my own? And that's where I start to live my life inside out in the day to day. So Being um, logical about this, I thought, well, if I'm going to be inside out, I want to think about what it is, as a Christian, I've got on the inside that other people haven't got. Because that's actually what the best type of evangelism is, is when the non-Christian says to the Christian, what is it you've got? I want what you've got. That's the best kind of event because they're ready then. You don't have to ram something down someone's throat that they're just going to spit back out at you with some sort of counter-argument. You actually want someone to start asking questions and sometimes that takes a long time you journey with somebody and you talk to them and and you talk to them about their needs and you say do you mind if I pray about that I'll do it at home we don't have to do it here it might be weird or you might even be ready to pray with somebody and over time you're talking to them and then you take another step and say have you ever thought about praying And you get them to start thinking about the idea of talking to a God they might not yet even surely believe in. Be sure that they believe in. So all this takes time. But there's going to be a point where somebody's going to say to you, what is it you've got? And wouldn't it be great if, if people, uh, like in the great revival and in, in revivals that we read of, or, or even in the, the book of Acts where people say, what must I do to be saved? You know, they just see it. In, they just see God in you. What must I do to be saved? I'm still waiting for that day when someone just comes up to me and, and sees Jesus in me so much. They just say, what must I do to be saved? It has happened. Not to me. It has happened. It does happen. God does stir the hearts of people. In, in certain times, in certain places, and why shouldn't we pray for that? But what is it we've got on the inside? That's more likely to be a question that people ask. What is it you've got? I want what you've got. Our neighbour said that to us before we moved away from Liverpool. He says, I don't want to miss this opportunity because you've, I know you're moving and I've lived next door to you all this time. I want to know what it is you've got. And, um, and we talked to him and, and, and that was just an incredible moment. So the first thing, three three things that I've just wanted to pull out that we've all got on the inside of us. If you haven't made Jesus your saviour, then you can make Jesus your saviour today and we can pray with you and you can have all of this for free. It's been paid for by the blood of Jesus. First thing is you have God's spirit on the inside of you. As as Pentecostals, we believe in a secondary experience where we can be filled with the Holy Spirit and the evidence of that is speaking in tongues. But um, at conversion, the Holy Spirit is at work and we all have the Holy Spirit. Listen to God's word in Romans 8. You, however, he's speaking to Christians, are not in the realm of the flesh. That's kind of you on your bad day when you're not thinking spiritually. That's Well, Paul's done some talk about the the flesh and the spirit. But you are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. So if you belong to Christ, you have God's spirit in you. You might not feel like it, but we don't base our decisions on feelings, do we? We're too mature for that. We might not always feel like it. We might not feel like God's Spirit lives in us, but it is the truth. If you've accepted Jesus as your Saviour, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come in, and God's Spirit lives in you. And when we're being turned inside out, there's something of God's Spirit can be revealed to the non-believer. In 1 Corinthians 3, 16, it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives among you? God's spirit is in us. The second thing is um, Christ. I have been crucified with Christ, says Paul. This is one of my favourite awkward verses. This idea of, of being crucified is a gruesome, painful death. And Paul is saying, I have been crucified with Christ and I... The old me, I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. If you've given your life to Jesus this morning, Christ lives in you. And when you walk through town and when you go about your daily business, mixing with people who do and don't believe in God, you have Christ in you. Why don't we pray that they see Christ in you? You've been crucified. Your old self, the flesh, has been crucified. Christ lives in you. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. We need to be daily reminding ourselves of this because it's very easy. We're told we have to put certain things on and put certain things off because it's a daily walk, a daily discipline. But know this, Christ lives in you. God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory, Colossians 1, 27. So we have God's Spirit in us. We have Christ in us. Wouldn't it be good if our lives were so inside out that people just saw that in us, We wouldn't even have to try with some um, awkward tract and weird kind of spiel that we've memorised about Jesus, that they would just see Jesus in us. We can pray that that is the case. But how intentional are we about praying for that to be the case? The third thing is God's light. just wanted to read from 2 Corinthians 4, verses 6 to 7. I love this verse. I love this verse because like being crucified with Christ, it takes the attention off of me and puts all the attention onto God's greatness and God's glory. It says, For God, who said, Let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts. Let's just pause there. This is the God who created the universe. You know, and, and, and this verse is about the God who made light I made light shine in darkness, we're referring to a majestic, incredible event, and saying that that same God is doing something similar in me. Isn't that amazing? Just think about it for a moment. Imagine nothing. Imagine an earth which is formless and void, and God says, let there be light, and light was, and then God goes on to finish creating the world. That same power He's made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. That's the bit I like. You know, so I'm just a jar of clay. It's nothing that special. Some people say, some of us are a bit, a bit like crackpots, aren't we? And actually there's nothing wrong with that and it's in the brokenness that God can shine through and I love that so we've got Christ in us we've got God's spirit in us we've got God's light in us and maybe they're all just different ways of saying the same thing but you've got Jesus living in you and he just wants to he just wants to get out of it and sometimes we just put on so many overcoats just to just to fit in with the rest of the world and we don't want Jesus to shine out of us. But, you know, pe- people will see God in you whether they admit it or not. I know this. I know this from my own um, testimonies of people who've, who've said, you know, even, even in my um, least demonstrative Christian years, people have said, I knew there was something different about you. Always did. And it's not just because you're weird and you've got a sense of humour no one understands. It's that there's something else about you at a spiritual level that we always knew was there. We just wouldn't admit it. These are, you know, particularly from someone who became a Christian later on, but knew me through my uh, teen years, that you can't help it. You know, if God lives in you, it should show. And um, but I just want to—I just want us to pray that it happens more and more. That's all I'm saying. Um, and that just people just start to say, and that we're ready. Sorry, that people just start to say, "What is it you've got? How can I get it?" And we're just ready to respond. We're just ready to respond. And like I said last week, some people are are ready for the gospel, but they're not ready for Sunday mornings. They might actually be ready for a home group on a a Sunday morning, which we're going to try out. Um, But they might not be ready to hear me stand at the front and come to this environment and all that sort of thing. But they might be ready for you to share the gospel and, and so, so many times it's easy for us as um, non-leaders in a church, which is which, what I've been most of my Christian life, uh, as a non-leader in a church, it's so easy for us to think, well, all I've got to do is get them to church. You should come to church. Actually, it's get them to Jesus. That's what we've got to do. We're told to make disciples, not make people fill these empty rows. So anyway, um, that should be easy then, shouldn't it? What's inside? got all that stuff inside, why aren't we seeing the results that we should see? If you've really got a grasp of this light that's on the inside of you that should just be bursting out of us all the time and people just magnetised by this ready-brett glow that's all around us all the time, why aren't people just like iron filings to a magnet all around us? Well, they are for me, but why aren't they for all of you? Okay, yeah, I'm glad you laughed. So here I see two areas of problem. The first is problems inside of me. And um, there's some startling verses that I'm going to show you that are actually written to Christians, that they sound like they're not written to Christians. They sound like they're written to people who need to to get saved. Um, So that's stuff on the inside of me. But there is an external um, emphasis as well to, to what I want to say in that our our battle is not just against flesh and blood. Um, So let me just look at some more Bible verses. Um, First of all, Jesus himself says, out of the, the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So although we've got Jesus living in us, what you put your attention on and what you, you, what you put your focus on and where your time is managed, um, focusing on certain things, that's what's going to come out of your mouth. If I spend a lot of time watching um, films that aren't edifying, it's going to affect the way I think about people and it's going to affect the way I talk to other people. Because what I'm full of is, is what's going to come out. It's true um, that they talk about computers, garbage in, garbage out. If you put nonsense in, you get nonsense out um, of any machinery. And in the same way, whatever you put in into your heart, um, you've got to guard your heart. Whatever you're putting into it, that's what's eventually going to come out. And, and these things, you can, you can masquerade and look holy uh, until the pressure comes on and you get squeezed like a spot and, uh, and all that horrible stuff comes out because the pressure's on. Just a little image I like to have in my mind. John, you're just a spot. Um, and when the pressure's on, what's going to come out? But that's what happens, isn't it? When the pressure's on, you've got to guard your heart. It is the wellspring of life or out of it flow the issues of life. Issues, what's going to issue out of you? Um, so, uh, that, that was that was quite challenging. So, sometimes um, I don't radiate God as much as I should because I'm focusing on the wrong thing. I mentioned films, but it also it's just um, who you spend too long hanging out with. And we, we've got to be around non-Christians, but some people are a negative influence on me, and I have to manage my time and man- manage my mental energy carefully not to entertain thoughts and conversations too long with certain people because um, I've got to keep Keep myself, keep my heart in the right place. Guard your heart. Paul says in Galatians four nineteen, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. All right, so we've got Christ living in us, but there's this sense of, of which there's something that we haven't really got the fullness of yet, and there is this throughout all of Paul's writings. Really, there's this this tension between I've got it now, but I haven't got it yet. And, and there's so much glory and stuff in God that we've got already and, and everything's signed, sealed and delivered and you, your place is in heaven and you're walking with Jesus. So all of that is now, but there's a kind of not yet thing and, and it won't really reach its fullness until we till we reach heaven. But um, in the meantime, Christ has yet to be formed in us. So there's some internal internal works. Sometimes God just wants to tinker with the settings uh, in your mind and just sort a few things out with you so that Christ can be fully formed in you. In Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, he says, I pray that out of the glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his Spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. He's praying for Christians that Christ would dwell in their hearts, even though Christ is already in them, is that tension again. So you can't just say, right, I've ticked the box, I'm a Christian now, it's all done. There is work to be done that Christ wants to do In you. So there are some internal things where the more we allow God to work in us, the more we will radiate his likeness. He wants us to be like Jesus. And for some of that, some of us that sounds a bit unattractive because you've got the wrong image of Jesus. But he wants us to be like Jesus. Jesus was gregarious, he was with people, he was godly, he was fun to be around, he did miracles, he loved everybody. Wouldn't, he be like to like, wouldn't you like to be like that? He wasn't full of himself like I am, worried about how I come across, what I, uh, what I look like. He was worried about, if, if worried is the right word, other people. Wouldn't you like to be a bit more like that? And so the more Christ is formed in you, the more magnetic you become. And people say, what is it you've got? How can you still be like this? At first I thought it was a show, but now I've seen you work through these problems in your life and you've been honest with people about your problems because you don't pretend everything's perfect for you. You're living inside out. What is it you've got? So they're the internal things that some of us might feel challenged about. If you're feeling like you're um, treading water spiritually, Maybe ask the Holy Spirit to teach you, what is it next that you've got for me? It might be something really obvious, like I want you to start a a new Bible reading plan and and commit to doing it every day. But I want you to to really dig into it, not just skip through it dutifully, but really seek me and and, and ask God for a hunger for his word, because in his word is truth, and amazing things happen when we dig in to studying his word. It might be that he wants you, like I feel like he's been saying to me for the last few months, I want you to pray better, John. Uh, It's great that you talk to me every day, but I want you to really dig into what prayer is all about, and and, and prayer for you in this season. Where, Where do you want... I'm asking God, where do you want me to to go in prayer that I haven't been before? Uh, And that's a whole journey. So there may be some stuff on the inside, but there is also an external um, element to what I want to say. As we all know, and we've talked about this, or I've talked about this in the past, Paul again says, "...put on the full armour of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the ruler's." against the authorities, and against the powers, and so far it just sounds like a, a manifesto for rebellion against um, Theresa May or whoever else, but it's not. it's not. It's the powers and authorities of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. There's so much more going on that we don't see. And there, are, there is, we have a spiritual enemy who is against us. He's A, against us sharing Jesus, and he's also against the person who doesn't know Jesus receiving Jesus. So he's doing everything he can um, to distract you, and he's doing everything he can to distract the person from finding Christ. There is... Um, a war but the, the thing is we, we're told that we can win this you know we, we've got this we've just got to uh, step up and get battle ready and, and 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 step into prayer and worship a little bit more we've got to worship some more and, and get closer to God and he will fight for us and some amazing things will start to happen but we need to acknowledge that the battle is real the battle is real and some of it is external It's not actually your fault for for not being close enough to Jesus. It's not your fault for for not having a a close enough walk and and, and radiating Jesus. And you you don't start beating yourself up that, oh, I'm not a good enough Christian because nobody's asked me about Jesus. It might not even be any of that. It might just be that there is a battle going on and all he's asking you to do is just pray because that's how we fight. Get on your knees and fight like a man. And it says, uh, that very short verse, we're not unaware of his schemes, which is what I've just been talking about. Distractions and things like that. Okay. So we've talked about um, what the problem is. We've talked about what's on the inside. I just wanted to finish by having some different things we can do inside out and the first idea is that we start to pray inside out it's very easy to pray for me it's very easy to pray for my family it's very easy to pray for uh, more money it's easy to pray for a bigger house better car it's very easy to pray for certain things and I know none of you are as unholy as me uh, and only pray for those things you can see why God's telling me to pray better now can't you Well, I might be exaggerating, but there's, there's a bit of that in all of us, isn't there? It's very easy to, to, to you know, I mean, the, the least spiritual person feels like praying when something's really going wrong, but they, it's usually for themselves, and that's just the way we're wired, and, and that's why we've got this discipline of, of asking God to, to for, make Christ be more formed in us, but um, one of the things you can do for praying inside out is asking God to give you a heart for the lost, because we all know that it's wrong that people don't go to heaven. Well, it isn't wrong because God's a God of judgment and he's fair, but it's—it's it's not, it's not. I want to say it's not right. <laughs> you get the idea? It's not satisfactory that not everybody goes to heaven and that not everybody knows Jesus on this earth and doesn't have the, the wonderful joy of knowing his salvation. But although we know that, sometimes we just don't care enough We know we should care more. Some of us may be challenged in that way. I I know I do. Um, So you could just start by asking God just once a day. Say, Lord, just let me see people the way you see them. That's probably quite a dangerous prayer. Let me see people the way you see them. And the way God sees them is this bird's eye view of all of history from creation through the fall, through God's salvation, through to end times. And he sees every individual and their and their part in that journey of mankind and he wants them saved that is not God's will that anyone would perish and he loves people he loves people enough to die for them that person that you overlook on the street that person who you you choose not to talk to because it's not that fun um he died for that person he loves them he loves them as much as you love yourself he loves them more than that And so ask God to give you that heart because you can't drum it up. You can't pump it up. You can't make yourself have a heart for the lost. It's not a natural thing. So anything you try and life coach yourself into doing isn't going to last, but you can ask God by his spirit to move on your heart. You can ask then who it is you want him, he wants you to pray for. God, who do you want me to pray for? And we heard um, recently about, people who've who've had like prayer lists of people that they wanted to see saved and I think Vez was talking about it um was it D.L. Mooney or somebody else I can't remember and they had a hundred names and um 98 of them got saved before he died and and the other two got saved at his funeral and um who who is it you want me to pray for it might not be a hundred names might just be one person but that's a great start that's praying in the will of God And uh, ask God what your role is in bringing them to Christ. It might be baking them some flapjacks. Do you bake flapjacks? It might be making them some flapjacks, baking them some cakes and just um, saying hi a little bit more and just seeing where it leads, seeing, seeing what the next step is. You just go as far as you can see and when you get there, you see further. But if you just stand here and do nothing, um, then things don't change. So what is it that God's asking you to do? Again, we're not doing this by works. We're doing it by the leading of the Holy Spirit. So we're praying inside out and we're asking God, um, what is it, that I can do to be a little bit more inside. I've got all this great stuff on the inside of me. How can I share it with others? The second thing is just to live inside out. Cultivate those um, things we describe as the fruit of the Spirit. And you can go and look them up, but uh, love, joy, and peace, and patience, and kindness, and all those things that uh, is great at and I'm not. Um, and also just to live generously. Just to live a generous life doesn't even need to involve money to be generous. You can be generous with your posture and smile at people. And that's easy to be generous with a smile. It's not easy some days, but you get the idea. It doesn't cost you anything. And just to think generously, think outside of yourself yourself. And so that's, for me, uh, one little thought about living inside out. So we're going to pray inside out. We're going to live inside out. And then we're going to speak inside out. When it comes to the right time, we are ready. We are told to always be prepared to answer anyone who asks you, why have you got this hope? And doing it with gentleness and respect... So we're always prepared, but when push comes to shove, don't worry too much because it says in Matthew 10, when they arrest you, uh, it could happen, do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At the time, it won't be you speaking. The Spirit of your Father will speak through you. So let's get get those two scriptures together. Kind of be prepared, but don't worry if you don't quite know what you're going to say because God will give you the words. So that preparedness, it might be good just to prepare um, a 30-second version of of how you know Jesus and what he means to you, Um, but I I kind of feel like for me being prepared, it's just praying and asking God to make sure that I'm ready. It's sort of a spiritual preparedness. So we're going to pray inside out. We're going to ask God, uh, give me a heart for the lost and show me who to pray for and what to do. We're going to live inside out. We're going to be generous and cultivate fruit, and we're going to speak inside out. We're going to not hide this truth that we're we have inside of us anymore. And finally, I just felt it was important to not be a lone ranger. Um, I've seen people go out on their own and in their own strength and without the support of local church you guys are part of a church and that's really important um, and just don't venture out on your own it's, it's not a good idea it's not biblical it's not safe um, we should work with others Jesus sent his disciples out in twos minimum and uh, I believe that's also really important. That's why we like home groups, because we can share with one another. I believe in home groups, we should be talking about who is it we are um, praying for to become Christians. And and we do that in our home group a little bit. Very often family members um, that we're just praying for. And sometimes it's family members who did make a commitment once, but have have, um, stopped Going along to church and stop really regarding God as a big part of their life in the way that we think they would benefit from. We we all know that that's needed. So it's praying for people in groups sharing stories together and supporting one another so don't be a lone ranger so we've talked about the inside out church last week and this week we've i've talked a little bit more about how it how it might look to be an inside out christian i've said what's on the inside of us we've got god's light and we've got christ and we've got the holy spirit living in us and we've talked a little bit about um living in a way that just demonstrates christ but we can't do any of this without him so let's pray We can't do any of this without him. And so, Father, my only prayer is that you would show each one of us what it is you're leading us into, whether it's better prayer, more prayer, whether it's seeking your word a little bit more and being led by your word, whether it's um, gifts of the Holy Spirit that you have for us that we haven't taken whether it's being filled with the Holy Spirit, whether it's just you're nudging me to talk to that neighbour or to bake that cake or to just be more generous with my posture and my smile and see where that leads, just being a more approachable person. But that's not something that I'm going to pump up in my own um, self-effort. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you to work on me in Jesus' name. Lord, we want to see this town turned around for the gospel. We look at the news and we see the stuff that's going on and we see the world heading into a collision course, what looks like a collision course in so many ways. And we do pray for our nation and we do pray for people in power and we we know that you raise people up and you also bring them to naught, but you, you we just pray that you would, would, would guide our, our leaders, Father God. But as we... As we see the nation around us and the nations and what's going on, Lord, I just pray that in the darkness that we see around us, you would help us to be a shining light in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit brixham.church.